Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsessions will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark down for a while. Hi. Jackie Cation here. Welcome to another episode of the Dork Forest. It's a very special Dork Forest. This is episode 28. Uh, as you know, the websites are JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com. There's a donation button. Some of you have used it. Uh, if you have not used it, knock yourself out. And there's merchandise, of course, T-shirt, CD. The credits, of course, Patrick Brady uh, does the audio fixes. And Mike Rickberg and Sarah just sang that song that you heard, and we'll sing it again at the end. Anyway, Vilmos does the website, and sitting in my room... In my room? That seems awkward. In my house in Van Nuys is Mr. Eric Drysdale. Welcome to the program, Eric Drysdale. Hi. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Uh, this is awesome because um, I'm excited about your show. You're a New York comic. I am. And writer. And yes. you write for the Colbert Nation, of course. Which I do. Which is very the Colbert Report, which uh, I could dork out about for an hour, but we'll spare uh, you, me, and everyone knows it's great. There we go. And <laughs> good work. Thank you. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> so, the uh, but you're in town to put on your show. Right. At the the downtown independent theater, which occasionally does stand up, and now you're going to do it's a theater event, right? Yes, it's multimedia. It's a multimedia event. Um, the man with feet. The man with feet. Yes. Um. I I made a uh, I made a a view a set of viewmaster reels, which is a story for. Uh, it's a story called the man with feet. It, it's um a spoof of the uh, viewmaster reels of the 60s and 70s that were kind of based on TV shows and uh, movies. And uh, the show is a way to promote that. Um, so, so it's it's essentially is it there? There's still images. Everyone will have a viewmaster essentially in the audience. Yes, and they will hear the story of Christian Finnegan plays uh, like a like an action hero. Right, Christian Finnegan is uh, in the reels. It's uh, Christian Finnegan, uh, Andre Vermeulen, Amber Nelson. Uh, Anthony Adamanic, I'm going to leave people out. Gary Redoran. Go uh, to themanwithfeet.com, and it's F-E-E-E-T. What does feet stand for? Feet. Uh, footwear-based, electronically engineered emulation technology. Fantastic. And uh, it's uh, basically, it's a kind of spoof of it, some somewhat night Ridery, somewhat $6 million Manny, but the the idea the is The shoes that are kit the car. The shoes are kit, yes. Yeah, fantastic. And... Um, and uh, yeah, so the, those people play it in the in the reels, but because I can't afford to fly everybody to L.A. to right. read a thing where they're not seen, and also because I have wonderful friends and talented people out here that I know and love and haven't been able to work with for a while because they're out here, uh, I've got um, Ron Lynch doing the um, uh, narration. Okay. Uh, Adam Felber from Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is playing the part of Feet. Oh, excellent. Uh, as, and there's going to be some kind of... In between the reels, there's other stuff. There's music and stuff related to the sh- oh, okay. to the reels. Yeah, yeah. So it'll uh, be a whole. It'll, it'll be like a variety show related to the reels, and then Ron Lynch and people. Will there be live action performances? There will be, and oh. uh, Matt Walsh and oh, very nice. There's music. A, there's music. There's dancing. It'll be lovely. Can can the shoes come and come and help? Like like Kit the car can come and help, right? Oh no, the shoes are totally autonomous. They can they can fight. Right. So they. But- uh, yeah, I like it. I like the idea of the, uh, but it's always weird because then once the shoes have left their wearer, that person is, uh, 
now in their socks. Yes, that's part of <laughs> that's part of the fun of it is that there's right. a lot of uh, oh, don't th- step in a puddle. It's a uh, yeah. exactly okay. Fair enough. Do you remember that Chinese uh, uh, the the Chinese saying about the stubbornness? No, there's this Chinese saying about stubbornness is like that guy's essentially that guy is so stubborn that he would rather he wants to pave the world in leather instead of buying a pair of shoes. That's a uh, that's foot based uh, comedy right there. It's or good. fun Foot-based. fact. Foot-based wisdom. That is, it, it feels more wisdom than ancient wisdom. Stand-up comedy, than <laughs> any sort of hilarity happening. But yeah, I, I like. Uh, so what I don't get is, is, I three D is back, obviously with a vengeance, and anyway, this is yes. a little three D, but it's more view mastery. Well, right, view mastery is three D. I mean, view masters were always in three D. Although a lot That's of people right. don't know that. Um, I, a lot of people, I, for some reason, don't, that doesn't register with people. Thank you but for they, cutting me some slack because I couldn't remember that from when I was a kid. But yeah, when you're looking, you're looking in the dark. You just think, oh well, I suppose that is the Grand Canyon. But I mean, I remember thinking when I was a, when I was first exposed to it, there's something different about this pictures, and I don't know what it is. Yeah. Um. But that, yes, yes, they are in three D. Um. And uh, they were the view masters were not originally. A toy, like they were. Um, what? When were they invented? Do you? Okay, yeah. Let's do that. Let's. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um. So the uh, the Viewmaster was uh, introduced. I th- it was it was introduced at the 1939 World's Fair, um, or for the night. I don't. 1939. Right. It had something to do with the World's Fair. I don't know if it was introduced there or the right. first reel was that. Um, and uh, is that whole- what those little round things are called? A reel? Yes. Okay, because each one is its own reel. Yes. Okay. And. Uh, and they were originally kind of the 1940s version of the parlor stereoscope, which was, you know, something that people had from almost the dawn of photography, the 18, 1850s to, and then there was like another renaissance of it in the early 1900s. Parlor stereoscope? Parlor stereoscope, the stereo cards that you see that are like the two pictures next oh, to each right. other on a card. Yeah. That you flip super yeah. tight. Um, so it was a, it was an attempt to update that um, okay. because Kodachrome was uh, introduced in nineteen. 19- so, so essentially, the stereoscope there was there were two things, and you could flip between those two pictures with the ViewMaster. No, no, you wouldn't flip between them. You the a stereo view. You're really? seeing a different, a slightly different image in each in of your each- eyes. Okay, so that's what creates the three D effect. Wow, the I same- know nothing about this. This is fantastic. Okay, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. when you're so the the reason why you when you look at a three D movie or three D Viewmaster yeah. image. Uh, it's because each of your eyes is seeing something slightly different, and your brain triangulates and makes it appear solid in three D to you. Okay, all right. That I, I vaguely remembered their talk of being each eye. So when uh, Kodachrome was introduced in uh, somewhere around the same time, thirty-seven, thirty-eight, it was the first time really people could have full color in their full color photographs, right? Um, and people shot with it and. Uh, and this company in Portland, Oregon, Sawyers, came up with this stereoscope that used the new invention of this color yeah. photography to uh, update the parlor stereoscope for people. And it was largely for yeah. traveling, you know, travel views and oh, ways right. to see things in other lands, seven wonders of the world, things like that. Right. And then, Was it done publicly or was it for rich people in their home? I don't think it was for rich people. I think it was for people in their home. Anyone in their home, this was a relatively affordable thing for someone in their middle class. What, what, do, you, what do you mean? To, to to have it in your home? To have a stereoscope in your... Like, 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 did it cost as much as a car? Did it cost... 
are, are you talking about in the in the in, in the late 1939 in the in the 40s? Well, in in the 40s, it was there was just the ViewMaster, but I okay. mean, the parlor stereoscope was very much like a TV that you would have in your house. Okay, you know, people would would take pictures of. Essentially, we we went to Yosemite. No, 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 no. People wouldn't take the pictures themselves. They would buy. They would buy these pictures to show of an evening. Right. Okay. Well, the there'd be like. Instead of turning on the Discovery Channel and learning about... Yeah. So you could get them at the library, maybe? I don't know, but you could buy them. There <laughs> okay. Were, there were companies that published views, and you'd, okay. go, to a, you'd go to a photo store yeah. and, and buy them. I mean, there were... People could take photos. Um, I love... Yeah, I love the idea that this is something we're going to... This is what we're going to do. We're going to rent uh, some videos. And we don't rent them. You, well, you would purchase them yeah. and then have people over and, and look at a picture of whales or whatever. Yeah, or, yeah. I mean, just things that you never... I mean... It, have you seen many of them for real? Like yourself? Oh, sure, You've sure. done a lot of research, obviously, right? Sure, yeah. Um, what's the coolest one you saw? I mean, was it really... I mean, what's a neat one that you... Well, there are... I mean, they uh, they were really popular. There were millions and millions and millions. Uh, uh, we're talking about two different things. Okay. Let's let's go back. Okay. Let's go back to the original parlor stereoscope, which was, um, who people call it the home stereoscope because they think it's, but I don't think that that's where it's actually from. Okay. Um, and it's the one that you see where, uh, it's got like a handle on it, and you put the cards in. On. I have never seen this thing. Uh, but yeah, but I love the idea. But someone would hold it. You would you hold it and you look in it, and then you'd look in it with your two eyes. And yes. there would be two images, yeah. and then you would see a three D image. Yeah. So okay. and actually, most of the most of the most of the images that you see of the Civil War, yeah, um, a lot of them were shot in three D. Um, okay. They don't show them in three D because it's kind of clunky, right? Way to do it. Um, but a lot of those a lot of those photos are actually from stereo. Cards. Okay. That wow. you see of the Civil War. That's neat. Yeah. Yeah. It's horrifying, of course, because yes. they, they took a lot of pictures. They took the a lot Civil, of horrifying pictures. Um, it's just like you're there. Antietam. Welcome. Uh, okay. Um, so then uh, that that went on, and then around the ninth, it, 3D always goes away and comes back. and Right. And it will again this time. It will go away. Uh Fools. I'm so no, glad. It, I, I'm so I, glad it doesn't completely go away. You know. I don't think that it belongs anywhere permanently for all things. No. Um. I, and I think that the the current oh, like mania the, is the saturation. Is the like, current mania is based on this idea that everybody will want to see 3D things all the time, and I think that's foolish. No, I don't. Want, I don't want to see everything in 3D. Um, but I do. I do like like the first time I think I was aware that 3D was back for real was at. Disneyland, and it was Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. Uh, just good writing, obviously. Mm-hmm. But there was a snake right in front of me, <laughs> and it was interactive. Like there was a, they, they had the chairs that would would blow wa- uh, air on you mm-hmm. to create the illusion that mice were going by your chairs. There was a dog that sneezes, and water flicks of water would come and hit you. That's what all movie theaters are going to be like soon. No, just no. in order to get you, <laughs> just in order to get you out of the house. Yeah, I don't want. They're going to threaten. Yeah. Let's, uh, they're going to uh, have, uh, I, 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 I sense it, that it's going to happen. There's going to be too much of it. And then <laughs> people are going to go, Oh, for the love of Christ. Yeah. Let's, uh, I would like a silent movie theater. So where nothing is happening. So, but I like, okay. So I don't mean to, to, so, cause I'm, I'm learning things. Mm-hmm. 
and learning is fun. Learning is awesome. And so the the parlor stereoscope happened, and then um, the Viewmaster happened. Well, I mean, but, yeah, there were forty years in between. I mean, right. there, there was like a renaissance of the parlor stereoscope in the early nineteen hundreds. Then in nineteen thirty nine, the Viewmaster came along, and that got very popular. Um, again, mostly like a middle class thing. You put it on your shelf, you get it, or you, you know, when you visit a place, you would go and get the Viewmaster reels as a way to remember it. Okay. Um, and then they acquired, they started putting out a couple of, uh, kids things and then acquired another company called TrueView and, uh, who owned, was a very similar technology and they owned, uh, they had a license with Disney, and so that was the beginning. It was in the mid-50s, I think. Okay. And that's when they started doing stuff for kids. And then eventually, it's sort of just like... So, it was educational forever, or or, or sort of entertainment-wise for yes. adults. And then in the 50s, it went more child. It went more child. I mean, it always stayed... It, until until the, until the 80s, it was... It, it did both. Okay. And then... Uh, it, the company changed hands a bunch of times. Uh, at, you know, as with everything, there was this whole consolidation of right of um, the toy industry. Right. And now, now this it was bought by Tyco. Tyco was bought by uh, uh, Fisher Price. Okay. No, Tyco was bought by Mattel. Mattel then bought Fisher Price. They gave Viewmaster to Fisher Price. Okay. So Fisher. So Viewmaster is now owned by. Um, Mattel owning Fisher Price owning right, but so, doesn't Disney own Mattel? No, no. Okay, no Disney. Hi, Disney owns Marvel. I'll be right. over here not knowing exactly. things. Okay, so okay. <laughs> is this interesting to anybody? Uh, I think this is fascinating. Okay, and if, and if people are not interested, uh, they're wrong. Okay, so uh, <laughs> and they are not. They're going to be they. The, what some of my favorite, some of my best episodes are the ones where we dive deeply into something that isn't talked about very much, and the history of the Viewmaster is. Uh, I'm going to guarantee that it hasn't been discussed at length, <laughs> and I want to. Okay, <laughs> so good. yeah. Um. So. Um. So yeah. During so now it's basically this tiny brand that's part of this huge company. Right. That, um. So they put out just. And they're still coming out with new Viewmaster toys. They are. Just, there, there was a lull, though, wasn't there? I, I mean, feel like there was. There, there was maybe. Granted, they, I was not a child anymore. They've been continuous production since 1939, and they're exactly the same. You can take a reel from 1939 and put it in your Viewmaster oh, really? that you buy at the store that has Shrek on in it. In 1939, they had uh, the, the cardboard circle uh-huh. with the film in it. Yeah. And now they have the cardboard circle with the film in it. Yes. Same old, same old. Yeah. Not broken. No reason to mess with it. No. Well, they did mess with it they, because Kodachrome is expensive, and okay. Uh, unfortunately, since the mid seventies, they haven't been using Kodachrome. What are they just using? Uh, some kind of I don't know what they use. A different film. Yeah. Different okay. E six film, they call it. Okay. All right. That's fascinating. Yeah. And, and so, so it was. Okay, I remember my brothers having it when I was little, and they, it was all Daniel Boone, and and uh, and it was it was the, the Dis, it was the Disney classics that were on it, and then it was the Little Mermaid and and Shrek, and and so it's like that. But I always, uh, I like it. They have them at the national park services still, mm-hmm. where you could buy a Grand Canyon version of the Viewmaster, mm-hmm. and I like that it's that it's. But they pretty much have a monopoly on it, right? I mean, nobody else makes it. 
There's another company that kind of reverse engineered it. There was a there was a time that um, uh, in 2008 they got out of the. You know, this is getting too wonky. No, no, not, no. I, I, well, t- tell this story, and then we can talk about something else. No, no, no I'm not. I'm, so. No, it's not about. It's okay. There is another cut. The short version is yes. There's one other company that makes things that are sort of like it on a kind of custom basis. Yeah. Um, this is this is the place actually to talk about this. Okay. Yeah. Good. Okay. For the love of Christ, yes. Okay. And uh, but it's it's like because in it's but they they actually stopped uh, in 2008. They um they ceased production of the scenic reels, and a couple of passionate people who um who worked uh for Viewmaster said you can't do this like you and what are you doing yeah. yeah you know and it's this big brand and it's yeah people know what it is you don't have to yeah yeah you don't have to sell it it's kleenex yes right out loud yeah. so um and yet it because it's now this kind of small part of a big organization it doesn't yeah they, i don't know if they I don't, I don't i don't know anything about it like i don't i can't speak but right I, I didn't have anything to do with Fisher Price when I was doing it. Right. Um, but uh, are you working with Fisher Price now? No, they license they license their um, technology to uh, a lab in Seattle, okay. who um, is given with you know some guidelines. Uh, they're allowed to publish. Okay. Oh, great! Um, and so you're working with them to publish your reels. Yes. Okay. And you. You've taken these pictures. Yes. Do you work the camera? I, I mean, do. is it a special? Is I it do. A special camera. It obviously. is. A, it's a special camera. Yes. It's a very, it's a very special camera. Yeah. It's actually. Um. Uh, now you want to get dorky? Yeah. Let's, let's get do really it. dorky. What is okay. It? The um. Is it a 3D camera? It is a 3D camera. Oh, crazy. Um, and it's a 3D camera made out of two single D cameras. Um, the Canon I used I used for this one the Canon S ninety, um, and then there's a a group of hackers on the internet called um, the well the anonymous no uh, there <laughs> there's something called the Canon Hackers Developers Kit okay which is uh, a group of people who get together and figure out ways to hack the firmware of Canon cameras okay and you can the do- whichware. Not the the, fir- the firmware, basically. F- FIRM? Firmware, yeah. yeah. So basically when you buy a camera, a digital camera, there's a bunch of instructions in it that tell you tell what it can and can't do. Right. So, for instance, um, most, even your point and shoots that you buy. Yeah. Um, or I don't know most, but there are, th- there are things that are basically capabilities of the camera that are only in software. So... You a lot of sometimes you'll buy a camera and it's it's actually got capabilities that are disabled. Okay. So so like oh so you'll pay for you you're basically paying for a broken right and because and, and they disabled them because they want to sell you another camera that has right. that available right and it's not the the hardware isn't different okay it's just a different software. So there's so-, so so I I know software I know hardware what's firmware uh, firmware is this is that is that nebulous place in the middle it's that yeah it gets it's what I guess in the old days we would call the ROM but oh really yeah but um I'm gonna turn down my speaker so it doesn't ding every two minutes okay okay um so yeah so um then and so people were doing that and it was used for things like um uh um what do you call it high dynamic range photography 
Okay. Which, what is that? Um, high dynamic range photography is uh, just what it sounds like. It's uh, it, it's hard to describe, but it's it basically it pulls all of the detail out of the shadows. Okay. And um, oh. And pushes okay. all the detail into the bright spots, so everything has detail to it, okay. as opposed to. But not night vision. It's different. Um, there's a night vision quality to it, and you okay. can and people do to oversimplify. It's it feels that way. Yes. To, so what it lighten. does, yeah. So what it does is it takes a uh, for high dynamic ranges. It takes a number of uh, exposures um, with the with from open to close from. Yeah. You know, high, uh, and then uh, kind of melds them together so that you get all the detail from all the way up and down the okay the spectrum spectrum. That's spectrum. that's great. So you have a 3D camera that took two single D cameras, right? So this so another so then once this uh, Canon hacker group um, got together, people found that you could put two together, and uh, then another group of people started getting together to do something called the uh, Stereo Data Maker. And um, it, it's kind of an add-on to the Canon Hack and Development Kit um, that allows you to hook actually as many cameras as you want. Uh, um, it, it creates a transformer of a camera, the Hacker Kit does. Yes. And then the Stereo Data Maker does... Uh, does what? Does it just, it's, it's sort of using the... It uses the Canon Hacker data to, um, to specifically run a 3d camera unit wow that okay that's cool so yeah um and then you you can make or in my like in my case i bought it um right um a, a switch that kind of hooks into both cameras so they go off at exactly the same time okay um and uh people build these uh these racks to put all of the cameras sure. on so that it's they modeling at some point right like you're making it's a model it's 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 you remember when you were a kid and you would make models sure it's like that where you you're building something and it's and it i mean some people just like to build stuff is what right. i'm saying oh yeah no, so, some people <laughs> sort of, there's like a like i this this is the fun you know the amazing thing about the internet is that you know the the software was developed by a you know a guy just well, a guy, no, not right? a guy, not no? even a guy. Several guys, guys all around the world, because who, who just met each other on the internet. the internet? Okay, yeah, um, it, people who are interested in yeah getting more out of their cameras, and um, so they all found each other. That's lovely. Yeah, yeah, and same with the stereo data maker. People would go out and say, "Oh, this new camera came out. Um, we can't get them working," and then somebody in New York and somebody in California would work on a certain model of camera, get it worked out, um, add features, things like that. Yeah. So the so the camera is it called a Canon S ninety? It's the Canon S ninety, which is which is this 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 kit this uh, this created camera. No no no. This, you can go and buy a Canon S ninety. Oh, it's it's the S ninety five now, but right. um, but no, it's just a camera you buy off the shelf. And it shoots in three D. Well, you you down you have to modify everything. You, you, and, you, it's a very it's a software modification. You just put a oh, okay. you put a program on the card right that you would normally store your and so this is all digital on. as well. Yes, like it isn't uh, manual. No, there's no film involved. It's oh, all it's all and that and how long is that? When digital cameras 
were invented was did it did it happen almost simultaneously no it took a really long time it had it's really just now i would say right just now that it's kind of in the reach of kind of the prosumer was what they would call it the, the pro what the prosumer Ooh, all right and but i like the idea i don't even know what that is that's like the people who can spend a thousand dollars on something instead of five hundred. Oh, okay. Oh, nice. <laughs> Those that is a real person. or or are dumb enough to. Right, right, and and they're like, no, my toy, because it's it's uh, you have an iPad. I have an iPad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I have never been an Apple person, mm-hmm. oh. so and I have always had uh, a phone that I don't care about. Just like a, a I for the longest time I had just had a Go phone with with my AT and T. SIM card in it. I don't have a fancy phone. Right. And and I don't I've never had a data plan. So I knew that to have a data plan, if I had a Blackberry, if I had an iPhone, I would check my email every seven to twelve seconds. And so it has come to pass mm-hmm. with the iPad. And um no one needs to see me check my email at a stoplight. That's that's not a positive right. experience. And so it's I feel like Apple has purchased me. But it is the best toddler toy I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, it's I have the Kindle app mm-hmm. and you can download I downloaded all of Jane Austen's books yep. onto it for free. Yeah, I from, downloaded uh Lewis Carroll. I do, the oh, yeah. Alice in Wonderland. There's and actually of books that are free. The um I this wasn't free, but the best uh my my favorite iPad book is uh the Andy Warhol diaries. Oh really? Yeah. Just because wrote, did Andy Warhol write those oddly yes. enough? Okay, yes, thank you. He wrote his own diaries. <laughs> Someone could have named it. I, well, he it's didn't a... <laughs> necessarily do all of his own art. So, it's... oh, really? Is that speculation? Or no? He, he would have it out because he had he, students or something. Or no, he had like people or... hanging around doing silk screens. I mean, he always supervised it, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's so much fun just because it's just, it's a book that's you know the size of a right, um, an old Manhattan phone book, right? And, and now you have. Yeah. yeah, and it's a perfect thing because on a train and their things are very short. Yeah. So I, I just uh, got done with that, and that's really it was great. Well, I mean, what was I mean? What is he talking about? Is it just like I have a crush on this person? That's what uh, my diaries were always when I was a kid. But I'm not saying that I'm you know Andy. It, his were even are even more mundane than that. Like, <laughs> uh, they're really. Fa- I mean, they're really fascinating. I'm, I'm like what movies he saw, where he went to dinner. Well, a lot of it. It's what's interesting about it is that a lot of it is. Um, his expenses, like it'll say, like I went to the movies, and then it'll say seven dollars. Okay. Like, like he's, it's basically him keeping his receipts. Okay. Um, but it's also, and it's also very mundane. It's basically just like what he did every day. Like he doesn't talk a lot about. Did he write almost every day or every day? I think he dictated it to okay. his assistant. Um. Uh, but it's it's fascinating because he just seems to go about his business, and um. Much like his work, it's the same over and over again with these slight differences that make it absolutely fascinating. And the circle of people that he is around and the right. the scene of New York at that time, um, going from uh, the Studio 54 days, and he would just get in and... Right, he would just go walk in and... Yeah, and uh, going up through the 80s and... And so, I mean, it's got to be fascinating because of all the people he's hanging out with. But then sort of the weird, yeah, I took the subway from the west, uh, Upper West Side down to Chelsea yeah. or whatever, and I saw a guy 
lying on the street, or, you know, like, sort of that sort of slice of life kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, very much But so. it's a slice of Andy Warhol's life, so that is kind of, yeah. Yeah, and he was into, like, one of the weird things is that he, uh, he was really into crystal healing. Oh, really? Yeah, he... Bit of a crystal clutcher, Andy Warhol. Yeah, okay. he, um... That's a you know it's this weird thing because he also went to church every Sunday. Okay, so he was uh, what? What was he? He was Catholic. Catholic, okay. and uh, and he it's sometimes like sometimes he would say he'd go to church and then he would literally be, be there for ten minutes. Okay, <laughs> but, but then he uh, but every he would talk about like my doctor prescribed this crystal for me because I have this ailment and I put it on and it really seemed to work. All right. See, I, uh, I have, uh, I've known so many, uh, I'm, I'm dipped. I'm dipped with the, with the rattle the bones and look at the moon. Oh, and, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Kinesiology holes. and, no, no, Western guy? Western medicine? Or are you Eastern medicine? Uh, so just science. Uh, just science? Yeah. There's some science going on with the Eastern people. I, I understand. Yeah, there's billions of No, no, I don't want to paint a, paint, right, right. <laughs> uh, paint it with a broad stroke, but, um, I, I, I'm skeptical about crystals doing anything to help my cold fair enough it, it very easily <laughs> yeah i'm uh i'm a, I'm a big fan i have ear, an ear infection that will not go away mm-hmm. and i have done don't put a rock on it uh, i i don't think that'll help somebody wanted me to put uh, olive oil with garlic in my ear and i was like nope <laughs> no, that's not happening. Uh, I will. I've done antibiotics, and I've done uh, what is it? Um, oh, acupuncture. Mm-hmm. So I'm willing to try both. But if the I tried the antibiotics first, and if they would have worked, I would have been fine with that. Right. But I, I I don't I don't begrudge Western medicine in, in any way, shape, or form. I'm all for evolution and science. But uh, I. You know, my kinesiologist, my chiropractor, and my acupuncturist, mm-hmm. the worst thing they're going to do is tell me to eat more kale. Right. It's never going to hurt me. It's no, a, and I, I feel like right acupuncture, and I am talking out of my ass. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I mean, I feel like acupuncture is, is different than putting a rock on your forehead to make right. you feel better. Right. It's a little placebo-y. It's a, right. It feels, yes, I'm sure. And and whenever anybody, I had a couple of shows ago, I had uh, my, my good friend Karen Rontowski and uh, Jen Kirkman were on. They were talking about ghosts. The ghosts and tarot cards. Yeah. And uh, and one of, the writer, one, of the, one of the fans wrote in and said, that tarot card reading felt more like a 10-minute pep talk. And I was like, <laughs> but for 20 bucks, I would give 20 bucks to somebody if I was feeling down and I wanted a pep talk. What the heck? Yeah, buy yourself a box of candy. Exactly. It's just like that. It's 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 any yeah, number of box of candies. I'm gonna go horseback riding, or I'm gonna you know you take I, yourself out for a, an artist date, right? The artist way. Yeah, I think that, <laughs> I think though if you pay a, a psychic to tell you something positive about yourself, right? Like, it I think you're better. I think you're better off with a box of candy, honestly, because I think that you put more you put more. Even if you think, oh, I'm doing this for entertainment, I'm doing this to get... Right. There is a little part of you that says, oh, the psychic said it's this. It's sort of like going to... A, are you afraid that you're going to go to, like, a bad dentist? Like, what if you go to the wrong psychic and the psychic is kind of a nutbag? Well, I mean, all I mean to me, all psychics are nutbag. Okay, fair enough. I don't think that there's a good psychic. All right. Especially if they have a television show? No. It's, uh... Well, I've done, uh... I've done it a couple of times. I have to say, and I don't, I don't mind it. I, uh, I don't have, it's. And I, I also think that there, there are people who are very in tune with other people and can read right. people's emotions and feelings and 
Oh, it's very so it, empathetic and, and uh, empathetic intuitive. and can read people's um, body language and things like that. I'm I'm always willing to give advice to people, uh, and and it's not particularly. I don't know if it's empathy. It's just bossiness at this point. It's uh, I'm just willing to be. Mm-hmm. You have a problem. It turns out I have the answer for that. Uh, uh, so I'm, you're like my parents. I'm like everybody's parents. <laughs> I am. Uh, my entire family is full of someone who really wants to tell you how to live your life. Yeah. My always oldest brother problem to solve. My oldest brother's an evangelist. Has his, you can really? open that sort of sure. So he's always looking for a problem to solve. He's all well. He's always creating a problem to solve. Yep. Yeah, go ahead. Pour that right into it. <laughs> the second episode where there's actually you want to hear something cool. Yeah, that sound. Let's see. Well, let's see how it holds up. That worked. Yeah, that worked that according was, to the level. That was a mouth sound. That was not. That, that was a mouth sound. You making that sound with your mouth. Yes. See, that was a dorky moment. That's it well done, Eric Drysdale. Eric Drysdale, ladies and gentlemen, writes at uh, the Colbert uh, Report and uh, is going to have a show at um, that theater that Holy Fuck is at, which is the Downtown, Downtown, Independent. Downtown Independent on Wednesday, which is the 16th. Uh, at 8 p.m. and 9.30. And essentially, you're going to be showing on the big screen? No, no, no. Everybody will have their own Each tiny person view will have their own Viewmaster, which they get to take home with them. But they get to take home with them? Yes. And the reels. And the, how much is it to go to the show? $20. Okay. But if you That's go, how much a view... I mean, that's less than what it... That's actually less than what it will cost you to go and buy it on my website. And, and the, you could go on the website and get all this, too, right? Yes. Okay. How much is it on the website? Like 25 It's $20 for the reels, and then depending on where you get it, the... Like 10 bucks in shipping max or whatever. And then... No, no, just for the reels. And then okay. depending on where you get it, or, or if you have a viewer, I recommend people go out and find viewers. They've, they've been... Target has them. Target has them. Yeah. Um, so you the, could just buy the reels on your website if you want. You could. Or you can go to some of the vendors on there and they have uh, they have packages with... You can get it with the... Oh, with both? Yeah. Oh, nice. That's... Yeah. Okay. I'm doing that. And oh. it's the man with feet. The man F-E-E-T. with feet. F-E-E-T. Dot com. Right. Uh, that's awesome. I like, uh, and, and so you have taken these photos. I have. The, the 3D camera that you own. Mm-hmm. And then it is digital now. Mm-hmm. So who, who, so that, then you, I was about to ask where you get them printed. Hi, I'll be over here. Uh, the, uh, what I mean, then you, then you manipulate them somehow on the internet, on, on the, on the computer. <laughs> yes. What happens? Okay. Yeah. So. I mean, you format them. For the Viewmaster format. Right. And uh, and then you send them to the lab in Seattle to make the reel. Yes. Got it. Yeah. I am now successful. Yes. That's Oh, I was going to tell you about the one book that I've purchased on the Kindle. Oh, okay. Which, for the for the iPhone, the iPad Kindle app, which is the Silmarillion. Oh. Which is also a million pages. I never read those books. Well, allow me to say that they're quite nice. Um, so I mean, by those books, I mean... The Lord of the Rings and The yes. Hobbit. and The Hobbit is a children's book. Right. It's an excellent start. It's much like the Harry Potter books in the way that uh, you could sort of... It, it, it's a quick read. Mm-hmm. But you have to enjoy... You know, you have to want to sort of get into some sort of fantasy dragon, you know, sword and I enjoyed the movies. Stuff. So did you enjoy the movies? I did. They are... Uh, they're, they're great movies. Uh, they don't, in my opinion, have a lot to do with the books. Right. Uh, but they are very beautiful. So I've heard. And... Um, that is an entirely different show where I rant about... You know what I like to say to some people who have read the books and love the movies? Mm-hmm. I like to say, well, the movies were good, but they were no Willow. 
And because uh, who didn't love Willow? Uh, almost no one loved Willow. No, I, I loved really Willows. Love Willow. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm easily entertained. I like the moving pictures. <laughs> and uh, so, but um, yeah, the, uh, Andy. So, what else? Uh, what else do you like to, to? Do you collect cameras too, or do you? I have a couple. Um, is this what sort of got you sucked into it? Is yeah, yeah. I found it? the camera. Yeah. Um, and started taking pictures with it. Do you have, like, do you have, like, what other kind of, have you, like, take a picture of your girlfriend or, or your girlfriend? Oh, I mean, I or, used to shoot, yeah. I mean, I, there, there's a camera that was made. So after the Viewmaster, this fills in a little of the story. Yeah. After the Viewmaster, um, became popular and became really popular in the 40s and 50s, especially with the kids stuff, uh, and Kodachrome was getting more and more affordable, um, a company called the David White Company in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, put out, um, Oh, that's right. You're from Wisconsin. I am from Wisconsin. I'm from uh, from Milwaukee. I'm from outside Milwaukee. Oh, uh, yeah. They were a. Uh, they actually made surveying equipment. Okay. And um, they put out a camera called the Stereo Realist camera in 1947, and it used Kodachrome or used uh, whatever slide film uh, Kodachrome was preferred. Right. Uh, uh, and then they they sold a lot of them, and you could buy a 3D camera through most of the 50s uh, and wealthier people cost $189 in 1947. Wow. Um, That's, I mean, people were making about six or seven uh, grand a year, weren't yeah. they? Um, and, uh, but the pictures are amazing. And that's what got me interested in my, my, when my wife's grandmother wasn't doing so well and we went to clean out her stuff, uh, we found this camera and all these pictures. Oh. Um, from this whole right. period of my wife's grandmother's life that we didn't know what happened. Like we, there was like, there were pictures before and pictures after, but nobody knew what happened in between. So we found when we were cleaning up all of these 3d photos of, um, you know, her grandmother in the forties reading the Forvitz, um, on the, at the, uh, at the poolside in, in, in uh, Florida. Okay. Like, the, sort know, of reading the paper, or what was she reading? The uh, like from the old country, like oh right, oh oh the yeah yeah she had a, there was an old country. She'd get the paper, yeah, in in another language in Yiddish, and, in Yiddish, and then uh, and, and then she would sit there and and, and someone would take a picture of her, yeah, and, a and nice full moment. color, very and glorious three D full color, and brings you right there, and it's quite amazing. That is neat. That's my, my and then name. I've since got it. I have a huge collection. And actually, if you're in LA, there's a guy named Charles Phoenix, yeah, who um, puts on shows from time to time where he shows his collection of uh, 3D photographs, and it's it's really worth seeing. It's it's a look at a time. It's kind of Mad Men era almost, but okay, um, in a way that you never really get to see it. Right. That uh, that's fascinating. You know, this is uh, incredibly simplistic. But my dad used to have this toy when I was a kid, and all it was two pieces of film in a with that cardboard and but they were they were probably the size of the iPad mm-hmm. and it was a box with a light bulb mm-hmm. and there was a stack of it was a football game and it was a stack of offensive plays and a stack of defensive oh. plays and your buddy would pick an offensive play and you would pick a defensive play and then you'd stack them on top of each other slide it in this thing and then you would see if the play would go through really yeah it was just two pieces of film that laid on top of each other and you could do it with paper i mean you could but it was like a, so it was like transparencies well they they were it was film because when i broke it uh <laughs> yeah as a child when i left uh, the film in the thing too long with the light bulb on and it fried the film uh my Wait, friend, so it was projected 
it was, uh, yeah, it was projected onto a screen in front of it. Oh, wow. It was, I, I don't know what this thing is. I asked my dad, I was like, I didn't want to remind him because I broke it and, uh, I was eight. And so, but the, uh, I wanted to find out what the hell it was because I want to see if I can, I really liked it. I mean, as an incredibly simple toy, I mean, that and a piece of string will entertain a child. That sounds actually kind of compl- complicated. It seems like there's, I mean, there was only like six or eight plays per person. Uh huh. So, I mean, it was incredibly finite. But I, he said that him and his buddy used to play, and me and my brothers used to play it for hours. Huh. And you're like, how could you care? <laughs> like, why would you care after a certain point? But you're like, I wonder if these it's like two it's will a, go it's together. It's kind of like a very, it's like a, it's like an elaborate rock, paper, scissors. It very much so. <laughs> yeah, because it's because like you have this and I have this and that's that. And we could, and granted, and Andy, my husband, could play rock, paper, scissors and has for hours. Mm-hmm. He's very good at it. I've never beaten him. <laughs> uh, he's a, he enjoys a game. He, he's a uh-huh. simple man of the people, Andy Ashcraft. So uh, <laughs> he, he will play. He'll play rock after the show. Okay, we'll I'll, do it. You, you play a little rock, paper, yeah. scissors. I'm not Andy. so great at it. Oh, my God. Then he's just going to take us all for a buggy ride. Anyway, um, yeah, but I love, I like, I love some of the toys and some of the, the, the images from back then. Did you ever see a, um, like, I, I really like the newsreel technology was really great back then. And I, I would go to like the, the TV museum in New York mm-hmm. and watch, I watched that, and I and I and there was some nostalgia. Frank Capra did a series during World War II called the Why We Fight series, mm-hmm. and I had a work study job in college where I worked at uh, Channel Fifty Eight, the network no one watches, <laughs> and uh, and I was in charge of picking. Where was that? In Madison, Wisconsin, at uh-huh. the University of Wisconsin, and um, so I was in uh, my shift was a four hour shift, and I could play anything I wanted to play. And I always wanted to play something that would last a long time so that I could do some homework. And the longest things were like the Nuremberg Trials and, mm-hmm. and the Why We Fight series. They were three hour and 38 minute. And then and then there was a moon landing that was only a minute and a half, but it had a very nice song attached mm-hmm. to it. Anyway, but um, I did. I always liked those, the, new, the newsreels. And I liked the – there was an attention to detail back then yeah. that really – gets lost now because everyone can do it and there's great things that are created because everything everyone can do it now yeah but there is i i, I feel i feel a, a, a loss i love older movies just because of it yeah i've actually been thinking about this with the the earthquake in japan yeah like you, th- you think about like the the photographic record of the earthquake in san francisco in in the early 1900s yeah, yeah. and uh just like We've seen so many images in the past three days. Yeah, and when you when you look at pictures of the 1908, I mean, there aren't. I mean, there There's there, there are many yeah. of them, <laughs> right? But you're not getting like you're not getting pictures of people in their offices with things falling all around them. You're not getting, and it's just like the the way that we're invited in everywhere, uh, right? Uh, I don't want to be everywhere. Quite honestly, I'm good. Uh, there are pluses and minuses. Yes, it's true. It's like um the remember those old shows the the animal ones what when animals attack or why mm-hmm. animals attack or whatever because I always felt like they attack because we're down there filming them. 
And you're like, stop filming me. I'm trying to get laid over here, and I am a fish. Because I, I have an unsubstantiated theory that some animals don't evolve just to be left alone. Right. In the ocean. And yeah. There's, and there's, there's like, a reason why they're at the bottom of the Marianas Trench. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. With crawling around, crawling around volcano vents. Yes. They're just like, seriously, I need some solo time. Uh-huh. And uh, people are out of their minds. So, yeah. So you, oh, what, uh, let's see. What, oh my gosh, it's, it's plugging right along. It's, uh-huh. uh, it's great. So what else, uh, what else do you like to do? What else do you like to talk about? Uh-huh. Do, you, do you like to talk about stand-up comedy? Do you like to talk about music? Sure. Uh, are, don't talk about music. Not stand-up comedy. About you know music. nothing about music? And every time somebody talks about music, there's a brave new revelation of how little I know about music. We don't have to talk about music. But what do you, um, what are you reading now? What am I reading After now? the Andy Warhol. Uh, do you like fiction? I'm one of those assholes who's like, I don't read any fiction. No, no, I have a... Th- uh, again, always unsubstantiated. But some people read nonfiction. Some mm-hmm. people read fiction. People who read fiction broken down into short story people and novels. Really? Uh, I am a novel person. Okay. I will read some nonfiction because I like it. But I, uh, it's, it always feels like a textbook. A little academic for me. I, um... I, you know... What draws you to nonfiction? I don't know. I mean, I I, I used to say that you know the reality. <laughs> I used to you know I used to be kind of glib about it and say that it's like the that fiction is just all lies, <laughs> but and I think there is an element of that to it. Like I don't. But fiction can speak to you. I mean, it can. And sometimes fiction can tell the truth better than the truth. Yes. And yeah. It, yes. I, I I don't know why. I I tend to read. Nonfiction. I mean, I've read a couple of not, uh, fiction books lately. Is it biographies or oh, you've read a couple of fiction? Yeah, I read. Um, I I read a couple of Heinlein books because I never. Moon is a harsh mistress. I read, uh, read Friday and I read uh, Stranger in a Strange Land. Okay. Um. Yeah, I like him. He he um he's a big fan of um polygamy. He, what? He want, uh, yeah, yeah. Heinlein loves it when lots of people are getting laid. Well, all at in once. that book, in Stranger with a Strange Land, there's just a no wonder. I was like. Because I had the re- same with the moon is a harsh mistress. I mean, like I've re- I've read all this, all this stuff. Yeah, he um, likes it. Wait, he like do you do? He likes it. it he yeah, likes the, it when a woman has a lot of husbands. The guy from Mars gets it on a lot. Right. He likes it when women have a lot of husbands. Husbands have a lot of wives. He's very liberal about that, but he does sort of lean towards a lot of wives, uh, <laughs> just because he's a. And I read Starship Troopers. Oh, did you? Yeah, I never did read that one. It's great. Is it? It's great. Do you love the movie? Mm-hmm. Okay, I love the movie too. It's different from the movie, but it's still it's a lot of the same themes. And the Starship Troopers actually, as a movie, is better now. Like it's better in rotation. Like watching it several I, times. If it, that's one of those movies that if it comes on, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what time of day it is or what I have to do. I will sit and watch the whole damn thing. And it doesn't matter where it is in the movie. Nope. I'm in. Yep. At any point, if yep. it's the beginning and he's playing the weird basketball game, if it's the end and Neil Patrick Harris is there, yeah, I'm in. It it's hilarious. It's it's always weirdly smart. Yep. Smarter than it has any need to be. And uh and funnier. Yep. And and they're fighting giant bugs. Win. Yeah. That's a that's a win. So Yeah, so what kind of nonfiction do you do you enjoy? I I read that Michael Pollan book. The, the food uh, one, I haven't read that one. Food. Um you know, it's because uh at the Colbert Report, like people are sending their books in all the time right. um to try and get on the show. So there's always Books lying around, books that- and I always go down and grab, you know, a bunch of them, and probably read one 
20th of the ones I pick up. Right. Um, and sometimes it's just like, uh, and, and not because I have some burning interest. I just pick it up and I start looking at it. I started reading one about, uh, this week, I can't remember who it's by. It's called The Rise and Fall of the Bible. And, uh, it's just the one I picked up because it was small and I could bring it on the plane. Uh, and it's just about, it's just about, uh, when people talk about the Bible, what they're talking about, because there have been so many versions of it and where it came, you know, it, it eventually will get to the original compilation of the Bible and where all the books came from. Right. But right now it's talking about, um, all the, so you're in the midst of it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's um really interesting stuff about um during the 70s there was this Bible called The Way and it was like the hit Bible for kids. Sure. Um I got one as a, as a kid. Oh, do you know the book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um it was it the language had been updated and it was uh and it was supposed to be easier to read. Right. So the the book is sort of about like what gets lost in that translation mm-hmm. and what it, you know and, you know, a lot of people who say the Bible says this, they're talking about, like... A version. They're talking about a version that had, like... Because nobody... I mean, the Bible is impenetrable. I tried to read it. Like, I, I can't no. make heads or tails of it. Like, you know, there's a great book. A guy named Stephen Mitchell wrote The Gospel According to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And all it is is the four books of the Gospel, mm-hmm. the the accepted four books of the Gospel. He he translated it from the original Aramaic. Uh-huh. And he and what he did was he took... It was, a, it was based on what... Um, Jefferson did. Right. And where Jefferson cut up the Gospels and, and made the Jesus, the, the Life and Times of Jesus of Nazareth right. is the book that Je- Thomas Jefferson made. And it's basically his words, Jesus's words. What, yeah, what Jefferson thought Jesus might have actually said. And he went with a theme and he essentially cut and pasted. And then, of course, that one, uh, uh, that was published in what, 1906 or something like that? And a copy was given to every member of Congress. Hello, separation of church and state. Mm-hmm. But uh, I love the name of it that Jefferson did, which was The Life and Times of Jesus of Nazareth. Mm-hmm. Guy's giant cojones. Yeah. And he's uh, <laughs> just like, you know what I think Jesus wanted? There we go. Let's just do it. I'm Thomas <laughs> Jefferson. And so, but uh, Stephen Mitchell, who also translated uh, the Bhagavad Gita and... Um, had another great, uh, not the Upanishads, I forget, whatever. But Stephen Mitchell, he's, but he translated from the original Aramaic, and he did that essentially that same thing. He said he scoured, he pulled out the things that felt like Jesus might have actually said and done, and it's 32 pages. Yeah. And then there's a big... There's a lot, there's a lot of contradiction. Yeah, and then there's stuff in the beginning, and there's stuff in the end where he analyzes it, because it's a textbook. Right. But uh, it's actually quite beautiful, you know? Mm-hmm. Jesus uh, sounds like a very nice man. I, and, uh, yeah, I have and, no, nothing against the guy. No, no, it's a but very beautiful and it's it's lovely. It's it's one of my one of my favorite. You know, I was I was I was raised uh, Armenian in the Armenian church. You were so. raised Armenian? Yes. So you mean you are Armenian? I am Armenian, <laughs> but I was also raised in the Armenian church. Uh-huh. Yes, it's uh, I just did a benefit. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Cation. Yeah, Cation. Okay, yeah. now I get it. Yeah. And uh, I uh, there's so many Armenians in LA. I just did a benefit for uh some it was an Armenian national organization and I didn't look into it. And I said, okay, I'll do it. And it's not the most positive organization. It's an organization. When I was a kid, there was a, there was a very strong movement for an independent Armenia. Okay. At which point my father would say things like, what are we going to do? Move back to Armenia and become shepherds? They're out of their minds. And so we were not fans. And my, you know, 
my stepmother. So this is like a, you ended up like a heavy nationalist. Yes. Essentially, I believe I was raising money to plant a tree in Azerbaijan. Right. Hi. That's not something I'm looking for. Right. And I was like, I'm not moving there. I'm already apologizing for the works of this country. I don't need mm-hmm. to be an apologist for another country. Right. I'm good. But, uh, it was, it was a trip anyway. But, um, yeah. So when I was a kid, it, it was all in Armenian. And the greatest thing about being raised in the Armenian church and not speaking Armenian is you get to believe whatever you want. Right. And, uh, Much it, like being a Jew. Right, right. Because it's just, there's a vague sort of be a decent human being and go get your dad some coffee. And that's, uh, that's the lot of step and fetch. Rock back and forth when... When everybody else does. Yeah. <laughs> is there a little autism going on in the temple? I'm on from... Well, well, there's dopening. Dopening is that is kind that of rocking? shaking back and forth that oh, you see nice. people do. Were you raised, uh, devout? Like, were... No, no. No. Was it reform or... Uh, but like kind of bounce between just a reform and, and reform f- and uh, conservative. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a uh, yeah. Um, I went to a Jew- Jewish summer camp for okay. a really long time. I went did, to an Armenian did Shabbat, summer camp. Did Shabbat every Saturday at camp. Okay. So you know what to say. I know what to say when you light the candles. Yes. And you know how to eat challah, and it's all nice. But this is the interesting thing about oh, going back to the yeah. way. Yeah. Um. There's a great. There's a book called uh, the Jewish Catalog. Which was, uh, and I think that the um, the way this I'm in the part where they're talking about the '70s and the spread of the way, mm-hmm. and uh, there was a book called the Jewish Catalog. It was the same thing. It was like this attempt to hippify, and by hippify, I mean hippie-fy, right, like yeah, hippie-fy. like the post hippie early '70s Moosewood Cookbook, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. um, Ah, the Moosewood Cookbook people. Get that. That's that's uh, moments of family fun while you try to find a yellow lentil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was uh, it was the it was kind of the it was kind of the way for the uh, for the, Jews. the Jewish yellow lentil crowd. Excellent. Um, but it's a great. It's yeah. But but it's nice. but, but I, I feel like my Judaism was shaped to a degree by the Jewish catalog. Okay. Um, and not by anything. Right, and uh, you know the way was fine. Quite honestly, mm-hmm. as, a, as as a book, it was it tried to it emphasized a lot of sort of peace, love, and understanding, groovy, you know. Don't forget to tip the waitstaff, you know, kind of thing. It but it was, was a but it was a thing where there was the text of the Bible, which you didn't read, right? And then there was like the commentary, which you did. You read the commentary, yeah. Right. It was it was very much it was it was. So the book bu- the book has been, the book I'm reading now is basically about how that's not necessarily a great thing for the Bible. <laughs> no, no, I'm, and well, for. People well, out there talking about it. You know who'd be furious? Martin Luther. Mm-hmm. He'd be like, no, you're supposed to read it. Yes. That's the point. And, uh, and then, and then judge what you've read. And then judge others. What? Uh, see, it's I made it, a, I, I made it a point to sit and try to actually read it once. And I tried to read the Quran once. Yeah. How'd that go? Nah. It's dense. Yeah. Very, very dense. I, I, I have a hard enough time getting through the Silmarillion. Mm-hmm. So, which is a lot less. As I said, I don't like reading fiction. <laughs> Pause. Anyway, so yeah, that's uh, yeah, I think it's uh, not talking about the Quran necessarily. No, 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 no. Let's go Bible. Bible. Uh, the 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 nonfiction book I am looking for- forward to is the Sarah Vowell Unfamiliar Fishes. Oh, yes. Um, about Hawaii. Yes, I heard her speak a little bit about it the other night. Right, because sounds... you live in New York and you get to see her speak. Yes. Go. And uh, it sounds fantastic. Yeah. She, I've I've listened to the other audio tapes of of the books that she did, and I love, you know, it's just the it's, it's all. I'm cool going to do kids. that this time. I'm going to do that instead of read it. Yes, they are. You you could do it as well. Like 
listening to the assassin. I, I listen to it sometimes in the car, and I've already listened to it. Assassination Vacation is fascinating, and it's always I always get some new informative thing about you know Mr. Seward and his plaques mm-hmm. in the middle of Washington D.C. Makes me want to go to Washington D.C. and look for plaques. <laughs> uh, They're not hard to find. I know. It's like, you know what I did when I went to New York last time? I went and I found uh, the statue of Edgar Booth, which is John Wilkes Booth's brother, who was a Shakespearean actor and a huge abolitionist. Uh-huh. He's just a big liberal. Where's where's this uh, sculpture? It's in, I feel like, is Gramercy Park the one that's locked? Yes. it's That's the only park that's locked in New York City. It's the one that's locked, yes. It's locked, and that's where the statue is. And how did you get in? I didn't. I stood oh, outside uh, of it and took a picture of it uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, using a camera and a zoom lens. I was like, yes, that is Edgar Booth. There he is. He does look dreamy. And um, yeah, it's fascinating about Edgar Booth because according to Sarah Vowell, that's mm-hmm. my source on this. I have not uh, fact checked, uh, looked, checked out, but I assume she did. So I'm going to go with her. Well, she is a big liar. Is she full know. of, <laughs> she's the, she calls herself Wiki Vowell. And, uh, but the, um, yeah, it's it's that uh, he saved Robert Lincoln's life one time. In uh, did you read that in in the I did yes yeah where he had fallen into the train the train well or something like that and and so he jumped down and pulled Robert Lincoln Edgar Booth and and him and his brother didn't get along very well because that's what happens sometimes in families yes Jeffrey Dahmer's brother probably not a huge fan of uh, of Jeffrey Dahmer of Jeffrey Dahmer I went and, to the same uh, high school that Jeffrey Dahmer went to. Where did Jeffrey He's the, go to high school? Uh, Revere High School in uh, in Akron, Ohio. In Akron, Ohio. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Did you notable alumni? Notable. Different years. Different years. Yeah. Different. Wait. Yeah. yeah. He was. Yeah. Way much before. older, right? Or, yeah. Yeah. Because uh, he lived in. Uh, my brother Scott lived in the same neighborhood as him in Milwaukee, mm-hmm. and he saw him a couple of times. Wow. And uh, he knew who he was anyway. When I only found this out much later. I didn't. I didn't know that until recently. Right. You know, you're eating the, the Dove Dark Chocolates. What mm-hmm. you should know about the Dove Dark Chocolates is that there's always a dark promise. What do you inside mean? Inside, the, there's, they're like, you have to say it in a dark voice, too. A dark they're, promise? Yeah, yeah. It's like a little fortune cookie kind of thing. This isn't a promise. What, what <laughs> they call them Dove Promises. It says, watch the sun come up. Well, say that that's in a more dark, a, spooky voice. Watch the sun come up. Right. But that's not go. a, that's a demand. <laughs> right. That's what a dark promise I'm not is. Gonna wake, more I'm not going to wake up early because of a chocolate. Yeah, they will threaten you. That's what a dark promise will do. Nope. Savor small it. romantic moments. Well, that's easier. That I can do. <laughs> that's easy. Can we trade? <laughs> yes. I'm going to eat this chocolate. Hey, it's been an hour. Really? Yeah. That was and, fun. And we, and we dipped very, that was awesome. I love the Viewmaster. And uh, and now I want to go to the Man with Feet. Eat. Please, or buy it. And uh, and and Because and, I'm going to be out of town. Uh, people, I'm going to... I don't know when this will air. This should air before Wednesday the 16th, so there's that. So if you live in Aspen, uh, Colorado, I'll be doing stand-up comedy at the Wheeler Opera House. And then uh, go to JackieCation.com. Anyway, and, and check it out. Thank you so much for being a guest, Eric Drysdale. Thank you for having me. This was a great dork forest. It was so dorky. It was super dorky, which is my favorite. And uh, We didn't even get to Charles Schultz. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Next right, time. Next time. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh my god. Thank we you. why don't we just call that as the end of the show?